this sabbatical was a shaking up and things for my life. Like God did some stuff. Like he shook some stuff up for me. And so I started to, to see like, God, what is the aftermath of this? Because we look at aftermath, right? It's like damage, right? Bad stuff, like ruins and destruction. Like when earthquakes happen, there's after aftermath is bad. But as I was looking up the word aftermath, here's what I came across. I came across a second meaning for the word aftermath. The second meaning for the word aftermath is a second growth crop. So I'm like, what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. So I started looking further. And a second growth crop is when the crops come back and they come back fuller and flourishing more than they were from the first harvest. And so the word aftermath, it comes from this old French word, which is Rowan, and, and it means to have this second growth crop. And the word Rowan, it means to regain something. And so my prayer is this, is that God would begin to regain some things in our lives. See, there are some things that have looked like they were in aftermath. They look like they were in destruction and ruin, but God is going to regain some things in our lives. And so that's my prayer this morning, and I'll be leading us in this in a sermon titled Aftermath. So join me here in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. I got one verse for you, and then I'm going to be out your way. Acts chapter 4. If you don't have your Bible, we'll have it for you up here on the screen. I'll be reading it from the Christian Standard Bible. Hear these words of our Father. He says, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord, severing the marrow from the bone. And God, I pray that this word would get deep down into the marrow of our souls. And God, when we hear this word, maybe we'll respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. And God, it's in that same spirit that I pray that you would stand in my body and that you would think through my mind and speak through my mouth and let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer. In whom I place all of my trust. And the whole church says, Amen. Amen. Somebody say aftermath. That was good. Y'all know how to pronounce words. That was great. Aftermath. See, I want to lay some context for you in this passage before I jump into this verse. See, Peter, the the apostle of Jesus, the disciple of Jesus, who was uh, a little bit off. He cut, he's the one in the story who cut the dude's ear off for stepping to Jesus wrong, and he just sliced his ear off. That's Peter. So Peter and John, they were arrested. And the reason that Peter and John were arrested was because they had healed a man in chapter 3 who had been lame his whole life. Not like corny. Like, that's not what that word is. He wasn't like a corny dude. He was lame, meaning that he couldn't use his legs. So Peter and John had healed this man who was lame. 
So the man, he had been taken to this gate called Beautiful. And so as he sat at the gate called Beautiful, what what happened was he would sit, and we know this because we see this in our community, he would sit by the gate and he would ask people for money. And so as he sat at that gate and asked people for money, he saw Peter and John approaching him. And so as Peter and John approached them, he looked at them and he asked them for some money. And so Peter, he responded to the man and he told him, he said, listen, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk and see there is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, I wish I had some help in here. There is power in the name of Jesus. See, Peter said that silver and gold, I have none. And then Kurt Franklin wrote a song about it some years later. He says, silver and gold, I have none. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And so as this man who had been lame for his whole life, and and the passage tells us that he is older than 40 years old. So being lame his whole life, he is now up and walking around following Peter and John around as they walk into the temple. And so what happened was people started to notice, like people started to notice, isn't that that beggar who used to sit by the gate called beautiful all the time just asking for money? And so as they begin to notice him, they there started to be a commotion around Peter and John wondering how did this happen? And so as the the religious rulers of the time, they started to hear about what was going on. They started to wonder and started to ask questions like, what is all of this commotion? That man was lame and that man is a beggar. He should stay lame and stay a beggar. And how many of you know that there are people who are around you who would rather you stay lame and rather you stay a beggar? See, they would rather you stay in the condition that you were once in and not see you walk in the health that Jesus has for you. And see, as we're going through life, we got to recognize and we got to realize that the power in order for us to transform our lives and to change and to be who God is calling us to be apart from who we used to be is only found in the name of Jesus. So they're they're going and and, and so what happened was that because the commotion the, the religious rulers, they arrested Peter and John. They brought them in and, and they started to question them. And as they're questioning them, I love this here in chapter, in chapter 4, verse 7. It says that after they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them and they asked them this question. By what power or in what name have you done this? See, they they didn't understand what was happening. They didn't understand how this man who they knew was a beggar, who they knew was lame and couldn't use his legs. They were trying to figure out how this man is now up walking. And the scripture says that he was up walking around praising God. See, when God does something in your life, you ought to give him praise. See, when God delivers you from some stuff, you ought to take a moment to praise God. That's why we press on you here in worship and say, give it to Jesus. That's why we press on you and say that he's worthy of your praise. And if you want to walk in the kind of faith that God is calling you to walk in, then guess what? Sometimes you've got to stop complaining and start pressing into praising God. See, we, we find ourselves in these situations and, 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 and we get, we get, we get put to the side like, God, why am I just sitting here by this gate begging for money all the time? 
when God delivers you and he does something, you've got to offer some praise to him. But, but, but look at what happens here in, in verse number seven. They asked him, they said, by what power or in what name have you done this? And I could just imagine Peter. Peter was from the east side. <laughs> See, Peter had a slick mouth. So I just imagine Peter like, I'm glad you asked me that question. <laughs> so Peter tells him. In verse number eight, it says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today, that's the sarcasm. If we are being examined today about a good deed we have done to a disabled man, Peter had a smart mouth, really smart mouth. He says, we're being questioned by what means he has been healed. Verse 10, let it be known to all of you all of y'all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead by him this man is standing here before you healthy and so Peter had enough sense to take the to, to look at what was going on and see what happened and give it to Jesus. He's saying, don't look at me about what happened here. I'm just a vessel. He said, what happened in this man's life and what's going on in his life is a direct result of Jesus Christ being resurrected, who you crucified. So Peter here, he's talking and he's giving his second best sermon here. He's telling them, he says, listen, Jesus of Nazareth is the one who's healed this man, who's got him walking around healthy and praising God. He says, let it be known to everybody. And so as this happens, like we, we got to recognize that in our lives. Like if we are going to access the power of God, then we have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, Peter, he goes on and he tells them in verse 12 of chapter 4, he says, listen, in fact, <laughs> I want you to know this, that you crucified this man and God raised him from the dead and he was the stone that the builders has rejected and now he has become the chief cornerstone. And listen at this, he says, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people whereby they must be saved. So Peter is pointing them. He's going straight at these religious rulers who thought they had it all together, who thought they had it all going on. He's pointing straight to them and telling them, he says, listen, salvation doesn't belong to you. Salvation belongs to Jesus Christ. And if you're in here today and you're wondering and you need some, some somebody to save you, if you need rescue from something that you're dealing with, if you need to be freed from some of the bondage that's in your life, then I want to introduce you to a man called Jesus. He's a man who can heal you of your brokenness. He's a man who can deliver you from your doubt. He's a man who can walk you through your anxiety. He can take you through your depression and bring you out on the other side rejoicing in his name. So he tells them there's salvation in nobody else but Jesus. And so here's what happens. And I want us to see this because this is what happens when we boldly proclaim the name of the Lord. Verse 13 says this. It says that when these rulers had observed the boldness of Peter and John and they realized, look at what they realized. It says they realized that they were uneducated and untrained. See, 
oftentimes in your life, people look down on you. And they don't consider you qualified for the tasks that you're walking in. And see, the reality of that is this. And I'm I'm excited to get to what what they say here next. The, The reality is this, is that at times you might be walking in some things that you are unqualified to walk in. And the the reason that you're able to walk in those things is because of this. It says here, it says that they noticed and they were amazed and they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. See, some of the things that you're now walking in, some of the seasons that you're now walking in, that you don't necessarily deserve to be walking in, because if we're honest and if we tell the truth, we haven't done everything that we're supposed to do in order to be in the spot that we're in now. But if it wasn't for the fact that you had spent some time with Jesus, then you wouldn't be in that situation. And these men, these untrained, uneducated men, they found themselves standing before rulers and proclaiming to them that salvation belongs to Jesus and they did that because they had spent some time with Jesus see the the, the time they spent with Jesus was, was time walking with him see it, it wasn't always spectacular miracles happening around Jesus sometimes it was just them having a meal sometimes it was just them walking from one place to another Sometimes it was just them riding across the river, riding across the sea, and Jesus sleeping on the boat. But what they didn't know in the boat that you need to know in your boat, whatever boat you find yourself in, is that if Jesus is in the boat, then everything is going to be all right. See, they found themselves in the boat, and, and the winds and the waves started coming, and the storm started whipping away, and they started freaking out, just like we do. We find ourselves in the midst of a boat called life, and turbulence happens, and difficulty happens, and what we do is we start crying, and we start complaining, but we forget that we've got a Savior who's in the boat with us. So we got to remember that. we got to be reminded that as long as we've got Jesus, everything's going to be all right. And these men had been with Jesus. They spent time with him. His essence was on them. You know, you hang around somebody long enough, you start acting like them. Married folk, y'all know what I'm talking about. Around somebody long enough, my wife and I have been together over a decade, and, like, we got some similarities now. <laughs> we got some stuff that's alike. But you spend some time with Jesus. And guess what? His essence or his spirit will start to rub off on you. You'll start walking in some kindness that you didn't have before. You'll start walking in some gentleness that you didn't have before. You'll start walking in some faith that you didn't have before. You'll start walking in some long-suffering and some patience that you didn't have before. If you would just spend some time with Jesus. Here's how you spend some time with Jesus. You ready? Wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning. On September 1st for 21 days of prayer. Get online and we'll be on there. And check your email so that you can get the prayer points. And come out to community groups when they get started. That's how you do it. That's our way of helping you do it here. But we got to be in our word too. We got to spend some time with Jesus. John chapter 1 tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. Jesus is the word. In verse 14, it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's talking about Jesus. So you spend some time with his word and you'll spend some time with him. 
So, back, as these men are now standing on trial for having done a good deed, I told you that you spend enough time around Jesus, you start to have stuff happen to you that happened to him. See, Jesus stood on trial for, and I haven't done anything wrong. And now here are his disciples who didn't do anything wrong, standing on trial. And so you wonder sometimes why people are just persecuting you for no reason. Why are people just treating you bad for no reason? Guess what? It's because you're just like your Savior, right? You spend some time with him. The same stuff that happened to him is going to happen to you. So here he goes. They're standing there. And then after Peter talked slick to them and told them, he says, verse 19, he says, whether it's because they were trying to get them to stop proclaiming the name of Jesus. They said, stop doing stuff in Jesus' name or else. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But Peter and John answered them and said, whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. See, sometimes in your life, you have to speak up for, for some stuff. And it's going to be difficult because people aren't going to agree with you. And right now in our culture, there's a lot of stuff that the world doesn't agree with that the church has to stand up for. And so we've got to do that with boldness. And that's why in verse 23, it says that after they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, it said that they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made heaven, the earth, the sky, and everything in them. And you said through the Holy Spirit by the mouth of our father David, why do the Gentiles rage against us and the peoples plot futile things and the kings of the earth take their stand and their rulers assemble together against the Lord and his and, and against his Messiah? And then they started to pray. Jump down to verse 29. It says, and now the Lord, and says, and they said, now Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servant may speak your word with all boldness. See, what happened here in response to the circumstances that were in the life of those believers, Peter and John were their leaders. And so now they found their leaders being pulled in and getting questioned about what they were doing in the name of Jesus. And oftentimes, as goes the leader, so goes the people, right? And so the leaders who are now being questioned, you can imagine as the people are back in their places and in their homes, they're wondering, God, what's going on? God, what's happening? If Peter and John are getting pulled in, what's going to happen to me? And so as they're sitting back and they're wondering and figuring out what's happening, they've made a decision. No, I'm not going to sit here and cower back, but I'm going to stand up in courage and I'm going to cry out to my God. See, there are moments in your life, deciding moments in your life, where you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to walk in fear and cower away, or are you going to stand up in courage and cry out to your God? See, that's a decision that we get faced with. That's something that we have to walk in and understand that in those moments, we got to stand up and have courage and walk before our God. And so here's what I want to submit to you. It only happens after prayer. See, it only happens after prayer. See, this word here, verse 31, it says that when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word boldly. This word here for prayer is a word that means to want something or desire something. But more deeply, it's a word that means to beg God for something. Are you willing to beg God for something? Or, 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 or are you too prideful to recognize your need for him in order to beg him for something? See, oftentimes we, we don't beg God for stuff because we think we can handle it. We tell God, no, nah, I'm good. You, you got it. Stay over there. No, nah, no, nah, you're on the throne. You're good. I got this. Don't worry. I got this throne here. I'm going to take care of this. But the reality is, is that we need to cry out to God and beg him for the things that we need. See, the, the beauty of the, of the language here, the original language, the, the Bible and the New Testament was originally written in, in Greek and Aramaic. But the, the beauty of the original language here suggests that and the, the, the begging has a, a, a binding to it. So in other words, when we pray, here's what we do. We bind ourselves to God. Let, let me help you out, make, make it more plain. When you pray, what you do is, is you link yourself to God and you bind yourself to him. And, 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 and you have to understand that whatever direction he moves, that's the way you're going to move. Whatever direction he goes, that's the direction you're going to go. See, a binding is a, is a, can be a strong covering that, that holds the pages of a book together. Like this book has a binding on it. And I can shake this and do all kinds of stuff to it. And the pages, they're not going to come out unless it's something broken in it, right? And, and sometimes the reason why you feel out of place with God, because there's something broken in your relationship with him. And so you've got to walk rightly before him and walk in relationship with him so that you don't feel out of place when this life is going on. But but the reality is this, is that when we when we pray, we bind ourselves to him. We become like the pages of this book. So whether the book gets closed, it's all right because I'm bound to God. Whether the door gets open, it's okay because I'm bound to God. Whatever happens, whatever goes on, it's all good because I've bound myself to the one who is the creator of the universe and who is able to provide me with everything that I need. So in other words, your prayers are the glue that holds your faith together. See, if you're doubting and having faith, and listen, I'm a moment of transparency for y'all, is that when I was leading up to my sabbatical and I was struggling with doubt and I was struggling with fear about what God was doing, the reality was is that I wasn't praying. That's just the truth. I wasn't praying and I was wrestling with God. I told my wife one time, I said, babe, I feel like there's a stronghold over me. Like, I feel like there's a stronghold over me that I can't even pray. Like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I, I can't even sit down and talk with God. I can't commune with him. And she told me, she said, babe, you just got to surrender to him. And that's the truth for us. Like, when, when, we, when we're walking in this life with Jesus, there are going to be times when we're going to have to surrender to his will, even when we don't understand his will. See, matter of fact, that's what faith is. That's what Pastor Louie told us last week, that faith is seeing when you don't see. And so there were some things that I needed to start believing God for, some things I started needed to trust God for and believe him for, even though I couldn't see him. And so that's what we need to do. We got to understand that faith is the glue that the prayers are the, the glue that holds our faith together. And so it says while they were in this place, they prayed while they were in, when, while they, after they prayed, the place where they were, 
assembled was shaken. See, this place talks about the location, but it also figuratively talks about the condition or position or opportunity that they were in. So there are going to be opportunities that come up in your life that you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to cower or am I going to stand in courage? That decision comes before each and every one of us in multiple points in our lives. Am I going to cower away and have no faith? Or I'm going to have courage and walk in faith. And so they took this opportunity. And here's what happens. Oftentimes, we look at these things that come up in our lives and we blame the devil. See, we, we look at this, these situations and circumstances and we say, oh, the, devil did, the, the devil's working again. Like, no, not necessarily. Maybe God is bringing something in your life as an opportunity for you to make a decision about whether you're going to walk in faith or if you're going to walk in doubt. God will do that. And so it says the place where they were gathering, they were assembled, was shaken. This word means to agitate, to rock, or to topple something. By implication, it means to destroy. And figuratively, it means to disturb something. So watch this. The ground that they once stood on was now shaking beneath them. See, the ground that once held them up was now crumbling beneath them. The powerful earth that was underneath their feet, feet that they trusted in. I walk on this thing right now and I'm good. Like, I don't have no, no doubt. Like, it's going to hold me up. One, because it's constructed in such a way that it will do that. But then two, I've walked on it enough times to know that it's going to hold me up. And that's what we've got to know in our relationship with Jesus, that you've been walking with him long enough to know that he's going to hold you up. You've got to walk with him long enough and, and have a deep enough relationship with him to know that he's not going to let you down in the midst of difficulty and circumstances. But here, see this, the, the, the powerful earth that they were once standing on was now reduced to trembling soil. That's what the power of prayer and faith can do in your life. See, it can take the things that you once thought were powerful and it can make them reduce to something weak. That addiction that's been over your life, that you thought had more power in your life, through prayer and faith, it can be broken down. That depression that's been hanging over your life, for months now, it can be broken through prayer and faith in God. The, the anxiety that's been gripping you and that's been, that's been holding you back from, from making decisions and taking some healthy risk in your life, that stuff can be broken through prayer and faith in God. But not only that, the stuff that you trust in, like your job and your money and your family relationship, if you continue to place that stuff before God, you know what God will do? He'll shake that stuff right on up and move it out of the way. See, there was stuff in their way in this passage. 
these rulers were, were, were they were trying to to stop the move of God from happening in this passage. But God says nothing's going to stop the move of God. In fact, I'll shake up the whole earth in order to make sure that my movement goes forward. And God will shake up everything in your life in order to make sure that his plan and his purposes for your life will go forward. We learned in Acts chapter 16 when they were in the jail. And they started singing and praying, singing praises and songs. And then what happened? It says that the, the whole jail shook. The whole jail started to shake. And then it opened the gates of the, of the prison doors right on open. And they, they, they were standing there and the guards came back and they were, they were, they were scared. God will shake up some stuff in your life in order to have his purposes come forward. So that stuff that you hold on to and putting it before God, you better let it loose because God will shake it. In fact, God will open up the ground and swallow that thing right on up. You'd be like, I love this thing. <laughs> be reaching for it because you loved it. But God's a jealous God. You won't have none before him. He the only one allowed to be jealous because he created you. Somebody created you, they can be jealous over you. They sing it today. He is jealous for me. Sounds like a hurricane. I'm sorry. I don't know why I did that. Well, yeah, I want us to understand that God is calling us in this season to walk and boldness before him. See, so often we walk around in doubt and discouragement. And God is calling us to walk in boldness and belief. See, the difference between where your circumstance is now and where it will be in the future has everything to do with your, with your boldness to believe. See, and if you don't have the boldness to believe that God can deliver you from the situation, then guess what? You'll look up in 20 years and you'll still be complaining about the same stuff that you've been complaining about for 20 years. And see, God wants to set you free. God doesn't want you in bondage to that stuff. He wants you to be free. Because who the Son has set free is free indeed. So you don't have to walk around in bondage to anything. You can walk around in boldness and proclaim that I am a child of the King. That I am the Lord's servant. That He is by my side and everything that I need is in Him. We need boldness in this season. The world's got a lot of boldness. They got a whole lot of boldness. They do any and everything that they big and bad enough to do. Say anything that they're big and bad enough to do. Become anything that they're big and bad enough to become. But we need a different type of boldness. We need a confidence in him. The, the, the word suggests a cheerful courage. So that means that the boldness that we need to have as believers is one that affects other people around us. See, we need a cheerful courage that when we walk into certain rooms, the room changes. 
When we walk into certain environments, guess what? The environment will change because we are the children of God. We are sons and daughters of the king. And where we go, the presence of God will go as well. And so we've got to walk in that and recognize that the spirit of God, the same spirit, watch this, the same spirit that raised Jesus up from the grave now resides inside of you. So there's no reason why you walk into places and the atmosphere doesn't change. Like there's no reason when you walk into certain situations in people's lives that things begin to shift and change because the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is now living on the inside of you. We got to believe that and we got to walk around in boldness and tell the devil, look, I got my boldness back. See, ain't nothing you can do to me in this season because I got my courage back. You can you can try whatever you want to try. You can come at me however way you want to come at me. But guess what? I got my courage back and I'm going to walk in the faith that I have in the God who will provide for me, the God who will care for me, the God who will sustain me, the God who will never leave me or forsake me, the God who will keep me, the God who will protect me, the God who will be there for me when I'm struggling, the God who will keep me and walk with me and talk with me. The same God who created everything that you see in the sky and the stars is the same God who's with you right now. You tell him, I got my courage back. I ain't going to walk around in fear. I got my courage back. And guess what? Because I got my courage back, you got something to fear, world. Because I'm coming for you. And I'm coming for you carrying this Bible. And this tongue that is dipped in the word of God. And I'm going to proclaim the word of God in season, out of season, in darkness, and light. I'm going to proclaim the truth of my Savior. Every head bowed. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for the strength of your word. God, you are everything that we need, God. And God, we cry out to you today, God, just like they did in Acts chapter 4 when they were facing adversity. God, they cried out to you and they lifted up their voices to you and they prayed, God, may we in this season of our lives, may we lift up our voices and pray and cry out to our God. Recognizing that you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in it. So, God, we worship you today, and God, we pray that your spirit would be with us to lead us and guide us into all truth, and that we will remember that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead gives us power, power to walk right, power to talk right, power to do what you've called us to do according to your purposes. We don't have to be afraid because in the aftermath of it all, we got our courage back. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. We love you. We adore you. God, I pray today anyone under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you. Maybe you're out here wondering and you don't know all the stuff we're talking about. But you'd like to learn, you'd like to know a little more. 
And like the rest of us who believe, we're praying that you might meet the resurrected Savior. See, it is his resurrection that gives us power. It is in his resurrection that he has all power in his hands. And so, God, I pray for any under the sound of my voice, God, that don't know you today, God, I pray that they might meet the resurrected Savior today. If you want to make a decision for Jesus today, we want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you today, you can slip up your hand. We just want to pray for you. We want to pray that God will begin the work of teaching you, discipling you, making you more like his son, showing you what it means to be his and walk in community and live life with others, live woven, love the word, lead a lifestyle of worship, leverage your work for him. Bless your people. 